0: bringing you the truth behind the news welcome to the new american
1: welcome everyone thank you for joining us i'm your host paul dragu a new zealand whistleblower was arrested for leaking government data on excess deaths that he blames on the COVID injection we're going to look at his astounding findings also the catholic pope is continuing his assault on conservative clergy And the new American's Joe Wolverton will join us to discuss the patron saint of Republican government, a man who inspired our founding fathers. We have all that coming up. But first, a group of aspiring global overlords are meeting in Dubai for the COP28 climate conference this month. As usual, they have big plans for us little people, and none of those big plans will benefit you in the slightest. In fact, if precedent is any indication, their agenda will only make your life worse. And they've been getting away with their sociopathic scheme because they do it in the name of saving the planet. But the ones telling tales of the climate boogeyman are either ignorant or outright lying. There is no climate crisis. There is plenty of legitimate research and reporting showing this to be the case. The only crisis is that of a globalist agenda that aims to end individual liberty and national sovereignty. The New America Magazine has been attending these climate meetings off and on for the past three decades. We have been saying for at least just as long that the agreements that countries make at these events are not just pledges of good intent. They eventually, in some way or another, turn into policy. And unfortunately, especially when it comes to the suicidal West, we've been right. This year, we've sent a small team to Dubai to report on this important event. And joining me from the United Arab Emirates is the New American's executive senior editor, Steve Bonta. Welcome, Steve. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Uh, We're good here on this side. I hear it's nice and muggy over there, Uh, so uh, not too bad. Yeah, it's it's winter time after all, so the
2: daily highs are only in the low 80s with um, (laughs) fairly significant humidity.
1: Fairly (laughs) pleasant. Yeah, it's it's similar to what you get in Miami, Florida, maybe this time of year, something like that. Yeah. So, Steve, U.S. outlets have been reporting that according to this climate action tracker, the world is going in the wrong direction. And it specifically mentions that the host country where you are, the UAE, has actually expanded its fossil fuels over the last year. So are the climate Nazis frustrated that some nations aren't taking these pledges seriously and especially with the host country? Yeah,
2: well, I mean that th- that's probably the top story for this year's th- th- this year's edition of COP COP twenty eight is that the host country is in fact um, you know uh, nothing if not consumer oriented. I mean, I, I spent all day dr- today did some driving around uh, Dubai uh, into the deep desert and through the city, and you know it's a, it's one of the world's most modern, most metropolitan, most international cities, covered with uh, expensive, gaudy skyscrapers and full of all sorts of uh, Signs of conspicuous Gulf Arab consumption. You know, there's a man-made archipelago out in the Gulf and all kinds of other things that aren't really found anywhere. Dubai is a pretty unique place. And uh, the COP28 venue, which is where the X and X uh, World's Fair was held, is um, actually kind of out in the desert. They don't really want to have it anywhere near the downtown because Dubai is all about making money. Ah. It's a very, very commercial place. And so it's interesting. It's like close to an hour's drive from here. Out at the very edge of the desert, near a second international airport, which, from what I could tell, doesn't really have that many flights coming in and out. The main airport is right here in the city, like everything else. Yeah. So the conference itself has been marginalized a little bit. And, you know, in terms of its location
1: uh, and. You is that can, further indication would you say that they're not taking this as seriously as uh these these climate cultists would like well, them to
2: uh, well it emerged that i mean first first of all they, they appointed the the guy who's the head of their extraction industry you know the, the 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 oil natural gas extraction industries uh i guess a raging conflict of interest if what you if you what you want is someone who's going to be have you know adopt the eco-nazi posture and all this stuff uh here's a guy who wants to develop energy, and in fact, went on, went on tape the other day, you know, saying saying something like, you know, this is nonsense, this whole idea of, you know, it's completely impossible to end use of fossil fuels, but that's precisely the goal yes. that has been articulated for this year's conference, is not that we're going to scale back use of fossil fuels, nay, not even rein the use of fossil fuels within some sort of, of, of preordained limits. We are going to completely eliminate... Fossil fuels. That is what the UN General Secretary said in his opening remarks, and also the guy who's the, the you know, like the international head of the COP organization right now, a Chap from Grenada, said the very same thing in the opening speech
3: a few wow. days ago.
2: So, how are we, they? Are they chiding? No, no no, they... no, no bones about it. That's what they're going to do. They want to end all fossil fuels. Full stop. Is there any indication say, of resistance? All Arabs are horrified by that. Go ahead well, oh, okay that,
1: that was what i was going to say is is there any indication of of nations representatives pushing back on this with uh, common sense arguments like that's impossible to de us or anything like that
2: well sure i mean i mean you know this part of the world not just saudi arabia but all these gulf states the uae qatar bahrain kuwait and to a lesser extent you know even iran across the, on the other side of the strait uh, iraq uh, these countries to the extent that they have wealth at all it comes from oil and natural gas same is true of russia by the way um and a number of other places indonesia um what else Uh, brunei uh, over in asia there's there's not a tinker's chance in a hot place that these people that these countries are going to say oh you know what we're going to go back to living in the desert sand with nothing or we're going to back to living in the tropical rainforest with nothing because that's all they have at this point i mean i mean you know uh, here in dubai you see everywhere signs of of the incredible wealth of the emiratis who are by the way a small minority in their own country but that's another story but but they do you know you see all these these expensive cars tooling around and uh it's it you know and all of that comes from from oil and from second you know financial investments related to to oil uh and same same with saudi arabia there's no way that they're going to go back to the lifestyle of you know 50 100 years ago i mean 50 years ago this place was a intermittent creek in the middle of the desert with a few you know kind of shanty villages on either side yeah and today it's one of the world's most modern cities and much of that is due to oil
1: right right so reliable fuels has done for their part of the world what it did for us uh, you know a long time ago speaking of the suicidal west tell us about the loss and damage startup fund because it sounds like the west is the only uh portion of the world that's foolish enough to get to get fooled by these this uh, climate scheme
2: well, well, that's because the West has already and has has already been through this. We've already, you know, we've cut down our forests and regrown them. You know, once we did, were horrified at that. You know, we, we've extracted a lot of our, you know, all of our natural resources, and and only now we've gotten religion, so to speak. But now we're we're the rest of it. Oh, you have to, you 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 can't have an industrialization phase the way we did. You can't do those things. You need to simply be content with living simply, and and but you're never going to be like us. Uh, because we're not going to give you that chance, because the planet is too fragile and too precious. Needless to say, those words ring very hollow in many of these countries. Now, the thing that that keeps this whole charade going are the loss and damage payments. The prospect that, well, at least if we, you know, if we shut down the extractive industries and 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 halt the the you know development and and all this sort of thing, at least we're going to be paid to do that. We're going to get money coming in. And many of the people from these countries, I think one of our, the people we, we interviewed by Alex last year, said as much. He was in Sudan or some such place and said, well, you know, if we don't get loss and damage payments, there's nothing in this for us. Because then you're saying, you know, you simply need to turn off your industries, deindustrialize, halt your development. In other words, don't go where we've gone and go back to living, in, in a sense, in, you know, in, in the 17th century. But with loss and damage payments, you know, that will mitigate the blow. Won't mitigate it for us, but for them. Now, loss and damage payments, just to be clear, involve the largest transfer of wealth from the haves to the have-nots that has ever been seen in history, if it's if it's borne out. And the plan is that by 2025, the payments will start. The tribute will start flowing from us and also places like the UAE, places that have lots of money, and will go to the poorer countries in
1: the world. And then we're so talking about it, hundreds of millions of dollars, right, Steve? That's no, no, no. What? We're talking about
2: hundreds of billions, even trillions of dollars, Paul. We're Thank talking you, about immense, immense sum of money, immense wow. sums of money. This is nothing less than a realization of the old socialist Marxist goal from each according to his ability to each according to his needs, the redistribution of wealth
1: on a global scale. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for your reporting. We're going to have you back on. Keep up the good work. Well, folks, for more news and in-depth analysis from The New American Magazine, the kind that you will not get anywhere else, make sure you have a subscription to our twice-monthly print edition of the magazine. The New American Magazine has been telling the truth about the attacks on our nation from within and without since 1985. No other magazine has been as accurate and for as long as about where policy and culture were heading than The New American Magazine. You can get a subscription online at thenewamerican.com. Just hit the magazine tab and then subscribe on the drop-down. If you prefer, call 1-800-727-8783. Coming up, a whistleblower from New Zealand leaked a mountain of data showing that the COVID shot has caused millions of deaths worldwide.
0: Well, that's correct, Tom. I've been outside the courthouse all day trying to get a comment that I can chop up and take out of context in order to fit, you know, our narrative thenewamerican.com subscribe now to the most fiercely independent unapologetically american news magazine out there get it delivered online into your home for 25% off the first year no more do more
2: all right parents listen up we've all seen the countless examples of how radical radical leftists have been destroying american schools It's no longer just about the terrible math and reading levels. Now radical left teachers birthed from liberal universities are forcing gender indoctrination in in kindergarten. They're teaching lessons on white guilt. Freedom Project
4: Academy has perfected live online learning over the course of a decade. I get a ton of great feedback about this program, a ton.
2: They're built on Judeo-Christian values. A classical curriculum, what does that mean? It means they're taught, your children are ta- taught the way that the founding generations of the country. My own son Noah did Freedom Project Academy for a several years when he was younger. The
1: more we tell our friends about these things,
3: the more people will get on board, and I, and I believe that we can be the catalyst to some real change. We must save the West. Our way of life and our culture is under attack, and because of patriots like you and your project, I have optimism for the future.
1: Welcome back, folks. A whistleblower from the New Zealand Ministry of Health recently leaked a pile of data showing that COVID injections, including those administered in New Zealand, have killed millions of people around the world. The whistleblower is former Oracle Database Administrator Barry Young, and he was arrested earlier this week. The data suggests an estimated average of one death per 1,000 doses of the COVID injection. For comparison, In the 70s, the swine flu vaccine was pulled after it was discovered that one in 100,000 Americans got Guillain-Barre syndrome as a result. Now, the whistleblower says the data was verified for authenticity and was analyzed using a time series cohort method, considered the gold standard for data evaluation. In an interview that has since gone viral, Young explained that he was looking for trends of excess mortality in his country. In New Zealand... 120 deaths per day is considered above normal. But what he found was astonishing. In the pre-pandemic years, there were just a handful of days when Kiwis were dying at higher rates. From 2011 until 2022, deaths were consistently low. There were no spikes even during 2020, which was supposed to be the deadliest pandemic in the history of mankind. But things started to go south in 2022 and they continued so in 2023. There was hardly a day without excess deaths. Here's Young going over the data with an independent journalist from New Zealand.
0: Now the vaccine rollout comes into full effect. And we've also got COVID, which I'll refer to in another graph. But 2022, check this out, right? This
1: is April the 20th, 2022.
5: Just after the vaccine rollout, yeah. So we've got
6: Got one hundred and fifty-one, one hundred and twenty-eight, one hundred and thirty-seven dead.
4: Wait a minute, this is, this is every day.
0: Yeah. So as you see now, from this point onwards, this just keeps going.
4: And Almost going every day. And going. And Here it is now, every
1: single day. And going and going. And they're all above one hundred and twenty.
0: Yeah. Still two thousand twenty-two, going.
1: Going. So already evidence of
5: excess death this is in New Zealand.
1: Mortality, 100%. Wow. Young believes these deaths weren't caused by COVID, and instead they were vaccine-related. 90% of New Zealand's population over 12 is fully vaccinated. The country's jab of choice is Pfizer. <clears throat> now Steve Hirsch, the founder of the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, analyzed Young's data, and he wrote on his Substack that quote. The COVID vaccines are the deadliest vaccine of all time, killing an estimated 13 p- million people worldwide. He added that a safe vaccine would see a decline in deaths by four to 5% one year after the shot. The COVID vaccines, however, have, have had a 26% mortality increase, a net difference of 30%. The 56 year old Barry Young is charged with accessing a computer system for dishonest purposes. So join me in the studio is Editor-in-Chief of the New American Magazine, Gary Benoit. Hi, Gary Benoit. Hi, Paul Dragu. We do this every day. So this is no laughing matter though, no. but I-, I can't imagine a more dishonest, anything more th- dishonest than the fact that the government is trying to conceal this data and yet he's the one being uh charged with uh being dishonest apparently and i guess uh causing misinformation that's part of the uh official narrative there and
6: the uh, the government obviously has the clout that they have the jails they have the the courts they have the wherewithal to uh, put a gun to everyone's head and uh, this is just one whistleblower
1: yeah yeah now we need more of these guys unfortunately and i wonder if he knew um I don't know if he did, but I wonder if this guy knew that he was going to get in trouble with the law. I presume he may have. And it looks like in some cases that's what it's going to take because uh, I think the other, the other side of the story or the other way that this could be done is if uh, medical professionals and people with this, with this access to this information come out in mass. And we haven't seen that necessarily. We've had lots of individuals. We've interviewed him and whatnot. But don't you just wish that the whole establishment comes out in mass and says this is a great big lie and they can no longer hold back the tide. Right and I like the way you said that
6: Paul because you said we haven't seen it um, necessarily because there could be people who are trying to expose this that we have not heard about because obviously they're going against the establishment narrative they're not necessarily capturing headlines.
1: No right, and that's that's and, and you're right. Maybe they are. This is happening, but they're not in the headlines now. This video has garnered half a million uh, right. views. It's considered viral. Yeah. But I would argue it's like man, that's really nothing sure. compared can, to. Can you
6: imagine a, a world though without the, the internet uh, and uh, without social media? Is is controlled as it is? But let's say none of that existed. Uh, let's say we had to rely totally on uh, pillars of the establishment in the media, such as the New York Times. Uh, would we ever have heard of
1: this guy uh no and we probably wouldn't have heard of lots of other folks who are considered whistleblowers who are in the vanguard of this um this attempt to expose this lie which some consider the you know the greatest medical as dr malone called the greatest medical experiment in the history of mankind so you know that that brings sure up, uh,
6: well dr malone said that very uh, very early on because uh, this did not go through the proper procedures so, It was not properly uh, tested. It was an experimental drug, uh, and yet it was presented as uh, being uh, uh, safe and uh, effective effective and all that uh, without the data to uh, support that. But uh, obviously, a lot of jabs, a lot of shots have been given since that time, and now the verdict's out. And based on the the data, uh, according to uh, this report that you gave, Paul, we're talking about 13 million people killed by these jabs. Uh, it goes beyond an experiment. They, they, I mean, uh, in fact, you got to wonder, uh, well, do these people know in the beginning, uh, these people uh, who are the architects for giving these vaccines, uh, that this thing was was unsafe? And how does this fit into the overall plan of depopulation control, which is something that the radical environmentalists want to bring about?
1: Yeah, and that used to be so. It was it used to be considered pretty kooky, right? You talk about depopulation. even agenda twenty one. Uh, it was always on the fringes, even in the infant ages of of the internet. But I think we've gotten to a point now where it's it's mainstream. I mean, I saw a headline even from uh, from you know the neocon or semi neocon Daily Wire where they're talking about the depopulation agenda. Sure. Um, we need, you know, speaking of that, we need whistleblowers deep within who have information, whether this was coordinated, whether it was intentional, whether they knew whoever it is, all the actors, uh, I, the closest thing I've seen has been from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Not that he was an insider, but he wrote the real Anthony Fauci. He did a very good job. You read that book. I have that, but uh, I know you were telling me how impressed
6: you were with the documentation. Is it possible, Paul, for somebody to
1: read that book honestly and not be convinced? Well, you know, one guy who was really convinced was, for instance, Joe Rogan. Yes. Major, major influence. Huge mm-hmm. platform. More than half a million people who are listening to his show. I believe it's like five million per episode. And that helped him realize what was truly happening. It was very convincing. Now, RFK Jr., whatever you may think of, his his leftist social stances and whatnot, he did well, do, in fact, a terrific... He's
6: been red-pilled to a degree. Yes. And isn't it incredible? Uh, and I don't know if Robert F. Kennedy Jr. even realizes this, but he that he recommended a book to a U.S. senator, uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, uh, that was published by uh, uh, the John Birch, the Chinese Western, Western Islands, uh, uh, book Western Islands. Islands. Uh, that's right, and of course I'm referring to the the Creature from Jek- Jekyll Island by G. Eric Griffin.
1: Yeah, 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 and. Uh, I'm glad that we, we published that. That's another, uh, and we meet people all the time, especially when we go to conferences and things like that. And especially when we go to Ed's conferences, Red Pill, and they're like, man, this book changed, uh, changed my life. You know, it changed the, how I view the world. It it did Red Pill. I and mean, it's not always, uh, it's not a good experience necessarily. It doesn't make you feel all fluffy. Well, It's better to have your, uh, eyes open than, um, be uh, a roboton. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. So we're gonna keep our eye on this. Yesterday we reported on Ken Paxton's, uh, Texas's lawsuit. So it right. looks like the dam yeah. might end up bursting. But thank you, Gary. And hey folks, the New American has just published our latest collector's edition, Bookazine. It's called Self-Reliance Foundation of Freedom. If we don't practice individual responsibility and provide for ourselves without government help, we cannot be free. This polished collector's edition includes articles on a number of topics including the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearm self-reliance, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics that are really important to self-reliance. We encourage you to get a copy. It'll make a great stocking stuffer. You can order copies at thenewamerican.com forward slash shop, or you can call our office at 800 727 Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. Next up, the Pope continues his purge of conservative Catholic clergy. As a lumberjack, I've been cutting wood for decades.
4: My job is pretty straightforward. I see the wood, I chop the wood. My axe goes through every time. You remember when everyone bought all the toilet paper? And they wanted me to wear these things? And someone invested a lot of money into this stuff. They say I'm part of a global plan. I don't think so. It's too hot, it's too cold. You know what? The weather changes. We even hear crazy ideas on how kids should learn. Here's the news, Dad. Is it, son? Is it? What about this one, Dad? Nope. It's hard to tell what's real and what's fake these days. There's just too much baloney out there. At The New American, they cut through the baloney and give me the truth. Visit the
0: thenewamerican.com and subscribe to get 50% off the cover price. And if you want an even better deal, use the promo code 10OFFSUB. Again, that's 10OFFSUB for more than 50% off.
5: Hi, I'm Alan Keyes. I'm the host of IMTV's uh, daily talk show about uh, news and events in America. And I want to say a good word for the New American Magazine. Uh, not only because Alex Newman has joined us as somebody who is periodically hosting a show, but because uh, New American Magazine represents a alternative media that is willing to tell people the truth. Uh, with so much fake news spreading, spreading about, and the fact that right now this country is in an existential crisis We remember who we are and where we come from and what our principles are or we die. Reading New American magazine can keep you up to the minute on the issues that are challenging us as a people and on which that survival hangs. You can check it out and subscribe at www.thenewamerican.com.
1: Pope Francis is planning to impose sanctions on a high-ranking Vatican prelate. Cardinal Raymond Burke has been one of the Pope's most outspoken critics on theological and political issues. Late last month, a conservative Italian newspaper reported that Francis announced in a November 20th meeting in Rome that he plans to cut off Burke's salary and evict him from a Vatican apartment that he normally uses. Two anonymous sources confirmed to the Associated Press that Francis said he was moving against Burke because he was a source of disunity in the Church. However, Catholic journalist and papal biographer Austin Ivory reported that the Pope told him privately that he never referred to Burke as my enemy, as the original unauthorized leak claimed. Now, church spokesmen have since refused to comment further, but Cardinal Burke has told media that no one from the Vatican has contacted him about the matter. Should that change, it will not be the first time Burke has been a target. In 2014, Pope Francis removed him as the Vatican's high court justice, a position he was appointed to in 2010 by the previous pope. The two have also clashed over the issue of COVID vaccines. The pope disparaged Burke and all who opposed the jab as negationists. Most recently, Burke made headlines for criticizing Pope Francis' ongoing conferences of bishops, which conservatives see as radical departure from traditional Catholic teachings. Now, the Cardinal, who is originally from Wisconsin, he spends most of his time at Our Lady of Guadalupe Shrine in his native state. He said that President Joe Biden shouldn't receive the sacrament of Holy Communion because of his his pro-abortion stance. If his Vatican privileges are removed, Burke will be the second conservative American prelate targeted by the Pope in recent weeks. The Pope forcibly removed Bishop Joseph Strickland as head of his diocese in Tyler, Texas. Strickland also criticized COVID vaccines, and he was a proponent of the traditional Latin Mass, which Pope Francis has recently worked to suppress. Okay, Gary, so what is the real Catholic Church? Because it sounds like there's a a bit of friction there. There may be some division. Uh, Do you have any insight as to what does the Pope truly reflect Catholics as a whole? Or is it more complicated than that? (laughs) (laughs)
6: Well, it's interesting the way you phrase it, because you said, uh, does he truly uh, reflect Catholics as a whole? But there are a lot of people who are cafeteria uh, cafeteria Catholics. Uh, Mm -hmm. In other words, they might uh, accept one part of the doctrine but not accept another part. So Mm -hmm. I I think a better way of phrasing that would be, uh, uh, does the Pope, uh, does what he says uh, reflect the the words of God? And does it reflect... uh, catholic teaching and of course the answer there is absolutely not Uh, and in fact it has gotten to the point where you could ask the question is the pope catholic and uh, i would say he's not uh, even though i would say he's the pope (laughs) and you could say is the pope a marxist or a communist and uh, i think you can make a good case that he is yeah Uh, and of course uh, you cannot be uh, a marxist or a communist and a, a, a catholic
1: no yeah, you know there's that brings it because there's a lot it seems like and not just in catholicism even in in, in very liberal evangelical circles maybe and even in lds Uh, circles, there are those who who insist crazy things like maybe that Jesus was a socialist and things like that. Now, I know that, for instance, the World Council of Churches, which was Soviet-run, they used to put up these fronts, these church fronts, and they would take control of the churches, and and they would supposedly, they forced them to uh, tout an ideology that was more Soviet and more communist than it was actually more aligned with the church. Is there any suspicion that there's been some infiltration or some? Oh, a- a- absolutely. And uh, I remember a priest
6: from um, uh, decades ago. Uh, he's he's long, uh, uh, long, long since passed away, but his name was Father Francis Fenton. And uh, uh, back in the uh, 1960s, I believe, and uh, into the 70s, he was on the Speaker's Bureau for the John Birch Society. But I remember he was fond of saying that uh, Catholics, excuse me, that priests do not become communists. Communists Communists become become priests. priests. So uh, uh, obviously, uh, the conspiracy, the the communist conspiracy, and and the people uh, uh, who are not themselves communists, but they they work with communists to bring about worldwide control, uh, would recognize that in order to make themselves gods on earth, uh, they got to get rid of uh, belief in God uh, they, they got to take God off the pedestal and put themselves to put man on top of the pedestal and one way of doing that of course is to uh, uh, attack the church from outside the church but another way of doing it is to attack the church from inside the church and mm-hmm. uh, certainly the Catholic Church has been uh, been targeted Yeah. And, and of course when you say that Paul a lot, a lot of people may think well gee isn't that anti-Catholic and of course not uh, I would say Uh, Would it be anti-American to point out that uh, we have uh, political leaders in America who are not working to put uh, America America first? First. They're working to uh, destroy America from inside the U.S. government. That same principle applies to uh,
1: the church and, of course, not just the Catholic church, but other churches as well. Now, what is the significance of this? Because we've reported at length, I would say, on happenings in the Catholic Church, and maybe some of our listeners and viewers, they're like, man, that sure, there sure seems to be a lot of reporting on that. But there's a reason that we're reporting on this, right? So what is the significance of what is happening in the Catholic Church? How does that matter to the rest of the world and obviously to America?
6: Well, uh, first of all, you have over one billion Catholics throughout the world. Yeah. Uh, so those Catholics, obviously, uh, uh, many of them at least, could be led astray. Yeah. Uh, with a false doctrine uh, that is presented as being Catholic doctrine, even though it's anti Catholic. Uh, so that is a huge consideration. Uh, then, of course, you have the, the Pope, who is the, uh, the head of the church, and he is looked upon as a uh, moral leader by billions of people, mm-hmm. uh, not just Catholics, but uh, other people as well. But at the same time, you have this conspiracy that is operating within the church. Uh, when it comes to the political side of things, when it comes to the U.S. government, we refer to that as the deep state, right? Right. Uh, when it comes to the the Catholic Church, that has been referred to as the deep church. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you have to recognize that these same forces were really talking about, uh, you know, the same uh, the same conspiracy working to destroy the church, uh, as well as working to destroy. Uh, uh, not just the U.S. government in terms of a free uh, uh, an independent nation, but targeting other governments as well throughout the world to bring about the new world order uh, and also a
1: new world religion. Is this how we got to a point where we have evangelicals and we have you know Catholics, so-called Catholics, who approve, for instance, abortion, which seems sure. to be like the most obvious well, thing that you should not approve. I know. <laughs> Is that how we got here? Well, look, look this at this kind uh, of propaganda. Uh, look at uh, Joe Biden.
6: Yes. Uh, promoting uh, abortion. Yeah. Um, and at, yet yet he can go into a Catholic church uh, and he, get, uh, he can receive Holy Communion. Yeah. Uh, of course, there are some priests who would not do that. Now where I, I go to church, if Joe Biden were to come there, he would not receive Holy Communion.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, so is it possible, like we know about the Protestant Reformation mm-hmm. and we know that at that time there was division within the church and that's how that happened is it is there any talk is it possible that this could lead to more fracturing where the conservative faction we've seen it again in evangelical circles especially i think with episcopalians and others they're kind of and presbyterians are kind of breaking off is that is it possible that that could happen within the catholic church
6: it's certainly possible but uh if one believes uh and a catholic uh, does believe uh that the catholic church is the church that was uh, founded by uh, uh jesus christ uh, then, you know, how do you believe that the Catholic Church can be uh, uh, destroyed? I mean, it may hang by, by by a thread, but uh, how it could be destroyed? So the word cannot be destroyed, the principles cannot be destroyed, uh, but you do have false prophets who can lead people astray.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Gary. And we're going to keep an eye on this. It seems like um, it seems like the there is a. I guess there is a mission to purge some of these folks. We're going to keep an eye on it. I guess we're going to continue reporting it because, again, like you made a great point. This matters. This this right. matters to all of us. What happens to the Catholic right. Church? But because
6: let, in a way, they've been a stalwart. Right. But let's not forget that truth cannot be destroyed, and uh, that God is in, in charge, and uh, God's will be done. And uh, but we must never lose hope,
1: and always fight the good fight. Yes, and we will continue to do that here, and hopefully. Uh, Christians worldwide will continue to see the truth, and, and we can quash this attempt that is on faith, on true faith. Thank you, Gary. Thank you. Up next, we discuss A Forgotten Great Man of Republican Theory with Joe Wolverton. In
0: 1988, the John Birch Society produced a documentary so predictive it's as though they had a time machine. Out of Control, Immigration Invasion was produced and hosted by investigative reporter William F. Jasper, and looks at the growing problem of unrestricted illegal immigration that, in 1988, already saw upwards of 10 to 20 million illegal aliens within the borders of the US. Unknown agents from around the world using the southern border as easy entry. Certainly some are innocent families escaping hardship, but also certainly some are criminals, potentially terrorists, is it not appropriate that there be some criteria for the entry of any sovereign nation? Why should the U.S. be different than Canada, Germany, Russia, Japan, or every other country on the planet? Out of Control, Immigration Invasion. Watch this time capsule of prescient wisdom at the slash out of control. On December 7th, 1683,
1: English politician, Republican political theorist, and Colonel Algernon Sidney was executed for treason. His most famous work, Discourses Concerning Government, was used against him at his trial to show that he was trying to overthrow the government of Charles II. Many, many years later, the author of the Declaration of Independence, Thomas Jefferson, said Sidney's book was, quote, the best elementary book on the principles of government. Jefferson said our youth should read that book as soon as their minds are sufficiently matured. Other founding fathers, including John Adams and Benjamin Franklin, have also cited Algernon Sinney as a major influence. But Sinney is almost completely forgotten by Americans today. Our next guest has been on a mission to change that. He considers Algernon Sinney the patron saint of Republican government, and every year he hosts a memorial on the anniversary of Colonel Sinney's martyrdom. The New Americas Joe Wolverton joins us to tell us all about Algernon Sidney. Hey Joe. Hey Paul, how are you doing? I am good. So, what 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 are the highlights here? The cliff notes of what our listening audience should know about this patron saint of republicanism. And that's a that's a phrase that I grabbed from you I think yesterday during a, a phone call there.
3: Right. Well, I, you know, he was that to our founding fathers. The cliff note version is that Jefferson cited Algernon Sidney's book Discourses Concerning Government as one of the principal inspirations for the Declaration of Independence he Jefferson said that uh it was the best book on government ever written in any language and that our young people should have it put in their hands as soon as they can read uh he and Madison when they drew up the uh requirements for the University of Virginia required that every young man matriculating there had read Discourses Concerning Government that our our founding fathers for at least 70 years after the uh, Declaration of Independence or 80 years held right up to the war right up to the Civil War held memorials in Boston and Philadelphia and New York held memorials on the anniversary of the martyrdom of Colonel Sidney and it's one of those things where Caroline Robbins, the famous historian, said that discourses concerning government is the handbook of the American Revolution and that if you don't read it, you don't understand why our fathers took up arms against the British. That's the Cliff Notes version and Algernon Sidney, you know, he wrote what he believed and he lived it, which is something Mercy Otis Warren, a a founding mother, we might call her. She said that one thing that she hoped that her children learned and that all American children learned was something that she learned from Algernon Sidney to live well and to die well, to die for your principles. Yeah. And uh, that's something that's something that Algernon Sidney most certainly did.
1: I, I want to go back to that because I, I I know that the official version I guess he was he was executed for treason. Uh, but what are some of the major ideas and were they that were groundbreaking? I guess at at that time that influenced our founding fathers.
3: Well, his he was refuting an earlier book uh, written by Filmer called Patriarcha, wherein Robert Filmer said that God gave us our laws god chose our rulers and we simply have to obey and some of us are born aristocrats and some of us are born beasts of burden and that's just the way god intended and algernon sydney said rubbish that god gave unto man the choice of what sort of government he would he would uh, install that god gave to man the right to choose his rulers that mankind entered into a contract creating government and that there were, uh, responsibilities on both sides. Government had to stay within the boundaries of its power. The people obeyed the government when the government stayed within the boundaries of its power. And then Algernon Sydney, perhaps the thing that got him in the most trouble was he wrote that if government exceeds the boundaries of its power, the people are within their natural right. To alter or abolish that government and of course a king doesn't want to hear that if his people finds out that he's acting tyrannically that that people can overthrow him and so that was something that was uh, I guess you'd call it revolutionary in discourses concerning government but the idea that the people were the ultimate sovereigns and if the government which they freely chose exceeded the boundaries of its power that the people could change or overthrow the government and that the people were given this power as a natural gift from God.
1: Well, these were seem, were were these in fact revolutionary ideas at the time? Because they seemed like they would be.
3: Um, I don't know that they were revolutionary. If you read discourses concerning government, something that Colonel Sidney does is he rehearses how these are principles that have been uh, that have been important throughout history, including his his book is heavy with uh, quotations and stories from the Bible, but also from Roman and Greek history that inspired him. And so, while I think it was revolutionary, that he would write them so clearly. And so with such a definite purpose, I think the principles themselves are timeless. I would even go so far as to say eternal, but to put them in a book form where the point was to prove that history and even sacred history were evidence of what he was saying. I think that's revolutionary. And I you know, when you have The founding fathers reading this book as children i mean we have quotations from it from madison and jefferson as young as 9 10 11 years old in their commonplace books you can imagine how uh, a mind seeped in such principles would be inclined to be wary of Mm. the first steps of tyranny
1: and these ideas apparently got him executed. Do you agree with the official historical version that apparently he was, uh, I guess he was a traitor? That's what treason is, right? When when you're executed for treason.
3: Well, I guess the truth, as Sidney himself said, the truth is treason in an empire of lies. And so when you have a tyrant in charge, if he gets to decide, decide what is treason, isn't treason against a tyrant? Isn't that um, being faithful to God, as Jefferson would say?
1: I suppose so. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, we live in an age, I think, where we're getting pretty darn close to people being called treasonous for telling truths. Uh, I mean, earlier we just reported on a guy who got arrested for uh, leaking uh, vaccine data. And they called him dishonest. So it seems, is that pretty much kind of the same case as upside down, topsy-turvy version of what happened?
3: Right. I mean, that's exactly what happened when Charles II was restored to the throne. uh, He decided that Algernon Sidney was too dangerous, that the ideas that Sidney propagated in discourses concerning government were too dangerous because when you're a tyrant, you do not want the people knowing that they are the ultimate sovereign and that they are indeed responsible for your power and if you abuse that power they may take that power from you and so if you are the tyrant and you can define treason however you want it then you define treason in such a way that anybody who speaks the truth is guilty of treason and like you say we live we live in such an era today
1: Yeah. So tell me about we have a few seconds left here. Tell me about this uh, this uh, uh, memorial that you put on every year. I guess you've been doing it for 15 years.
3: Yeah, about 15 years. Well, publicly for about 15 years. I've been doing it myself since I learned about it in college. But um, yeah, I do a video where I present and sometimes I invite other people to present uh, just their feelings about Colonel Sidney. Some share some of his uh, some of his works, their feeling on his works, just exposing more and more Americans trying to, to exposing him to uh, Colonel Sidney and the the invaluable contribution, but now the forgotten contribution that he made to our own liberty, our own constitution, our own form of government. And so on Thursday, this Thursday, December seventh, which is the anniversary of his martyrdom, I'll be uh, recording a video and I'll have live from. Algernon, Sidney's home in Kent, England, where his family still lives. I'll have members of his family there uh, taking us and speaking to us about Algernon and about the home and the uh, place where he lived. And uh, that'll be a special treat. And it's rare. You won't see it anywhere else. I am grateful to the Sidney family for their grace and their uh, uh, their offer of time. And so it'll, you can find it on my YouTube channel. It'll be t- uh, tomorrow afternoon. I'll post it. That's Teacher of Liberty on YouTube. And I'll post that video, the memorial of Colonel Sidney with his family live from the UK.
1: Thank you, Joe Wolverton. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of the New American Daily. Remember to visit the newamerican.com for more truth the news. Please join us again tomorrow.